0: sought after for their success, and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, wanna help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business.
1: Now, here's your mentor. Hi, I'm glad you joined us. I'm Tom Laurie, your host for today. Have you ever thought you were too old, too young, too inexperienced, or just not smart enough? Have you ever been challenged to overcome weight issues, failure, bad study habits, or even addiction? We will be tackling these questions and more today with our guest mentor Steve and Campbell, who is affectionately known as the Brain Whisperer, and has helped thousands overcome these issues, and has helped. Many, over 26 years, use what tools he's developed from a new understanding of brain science that will transform your life. After working in hospital administration for 20 years, Stephen Campbell, Steve, the brain whisperer, acquired his master's in information systems and went on to pursue his greatest love, teaching businesses how to change the way they think. He has also been a professor, author, speaker for more than 26 years, and has served as an educational dean at Empire College in Northern California. Affectionately known as the Brain Whisperer and the author of Making Your Mind Magnificent, which shows us how to use new brain science to transform our life, end negative thinking, improve focus and clarity, and enhance problem solving, and simply just being happier. Steve, welcome to The Mentors.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it, Tom. It's nice of you.
1: So tell me, how does self-talk affect our happiness and daily living?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, We're talking to ourselves all the time. The moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep. And in fact, while we're going to sleep, we talk to ourselves. And what's so interesting is what we say to ourselves about ourselves, the brain believes without our question, which is not only scary, but it's wonderful both at the same time. So when we say to ourselves, you know what, this is really hard, you know what the brain says to that, Tom? Okay. You're right. It is. And then it makes it hard. That's the scary part. But there's a wonderful part. When you say, you know what, this is so easy, you know what the brain says to that? Okay and then becomes obsessed with finding ways to make it easy. This really came out from the work of Dr. Albert Ellis, who back in 1961 wrote a little book called The Guide to Rational Living. What he suggested has turned around psychology since then. Here's what he suggested, and we now, through decades of research all around the world, know this is true. Everything that we can do today is primarily based on our self-talk today. Let me say that a different way. Everything that we can do today is primarily based on what we say to ourselves about ourselves today. So let me give you a a practical example that, that shows how this works. For 42 years of my life, I said to myself, the first 42 years, I said to myself, I'm really dumb in numbers, in math. I just can't do math. I just can't. And, of course, what did my brain say? Well, okay, yeah, you're right, you can. And then to make sure I couldn't. But you know what? Back in the 70s, I began discovering computers and began messing around with computers and stuff. I eventually got a graduate degree in computer science. and found myself in a college teaching computer science. And one day, the dean came to my office, he said, one of uh, the math professors just quit, so you are our new math professor, Steve. <laughs> uh, I can't do numbers, he said, do you want a job? Learn, there is the book, you are teach math next semester. Well, I needed a job, Tom, so I ran down to the local bookstore, to the Roner Park bookstore in all places in southern, Northern California, and began looking at how the brain learns. And I based my curriculum based on how the brain learns. And students began saying, oh my gosh, you're such a good math teacher. <laughs> and then the dean came and he said, you know what? I, was saying I will only take math if Mr. Campbell teaches me. And Tom, that was when I began changing what I was saying to myself. That's when I began to change my self-talk. That's when I began saying, wait a minute. If I'm so smart with computers, I gotta be smart with math. And what did my brain say? Okay, is it true? Don't care. All I care is what you tell me. And I locked onto that and I ended up writing two college textbooks on computer software and math. Now, the next question comes up, well, what if what you are saying is not true? This is also a very exciting time. You know what, your brain doesn't even care brain doesn't even ask that question and I think the best book that I've ever read on that is called phantoms in the brain written by Dr. ramachandra and out of UC San Diego. Phantoms refer to phantom limbs that have been amputated and a patient goes into a doctor's office he'll say you got to help me I can't do a thing with my arm and the doctor may say well I could because I cut off that arm six months ago and the patient says you didn't tell my brain that my brain still thinks it's there. So the message that I like to give to people about their self-talk is this. Yeah, everything they can do today is primarily based on what they say to themselves about themselves today. We can change what we are saying to ourselves about ourselves when, Tom? Today. This moment. Right now. And what does the brain say? Oh, okay. Is it true? Don't even care. All I care is what you tell me. And I share that with with people and it's just, when I'm done, the whole audience is just stunned because they're so excited about the fact they can change what they're saying to themselves right now. There's another way to look at this. Tom, when did your old life end? Exactly one second ago. Done. Which means when did your new life begin? One second ago. Now do the math. There's 60 seconds per minute, 60 minutes per hour, 24 hours per day. In one 24-hour period, you have 86,400 new opportunities for a new life every single day. All you have to do is take them. Wow. Wow.
1: It sounds so simple,
2: but I know it's that's not. <laughs> what I love about it. Yeah, that's what I love about it. It is as simple, and yet people say this is really hard. Here's the, here's the scary thing about this. People say, well, this is really hard, and I just cannot do this. When they say that, you know what their brain says to that? Okay. It, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's hard. You can't. This is really hard, and I'll make sure you can't do it.
1: Well, we're going to go back, we're going to go to break, and when we continue, we're going to be talking about ending negative thinking while increasing positive thinking with our guest, Stephen Campbell. This is a church, a church that might be like yours, with
3: beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willett Hauser Architectural Glass. Willett did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. Then their craftsmen with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience brought the church's stained glass windows back to life.
4: Hello, I'm Mike Mandel, the inventor of My Pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented My Pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and I give you a 60-day money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. My pillow is now offering 50% off their 4-pack
3: special plus free shipping. Go to mypillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632. 1 800 890 6632 and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay, order now.
0: Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full time or part time, your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. HopeInACan.com can can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the HopeInACan team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll free to learn more. 855 921 HOPE. That's 855 921 HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopinacan.com. And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. If you just joined us, I'm Tom Laurie, your host for today. We're talking with Stephen Campbell, the author of "Making Your Mind Magnificent," and specifically how to end negative thinking and increase positive thinking. Steve, you gave a great example of how we can uh, talk to ourselves in a way that can change, or at least change how our brain reacts to things. It won't change how it reacts. It's just going to react to what it tells you, uh, which right. is very yeah. interesting. And I, uh, having heard you speak uh, a number of times, I have a little thing on my mirror. It says, okay, (laughs) just to remind me that whatever I tell my brain, it's going to say, okay. So I've got that on my mirror. My wife has one as well. Just to remind us how that works. Tell us a little bit more about the, uh, uh, the underlying foundation for this work, particularly with regards to optimism and feelings.
2: Well, the the underlying foundation is started with Dr. Albert Ellis, who is regarded by psychologists as the second most influential psychologist in history of psychology. Uh, Carl Rogers usually comes in number one, with with his uh, therapy, and Freud comes in at number three. Ellis comes in at number two, and um, we'll talk about feelings next, and then we'll talk to work uh, about. We'll look at the work of Dr. E.P. Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania. In the same book, Dr. Ellis suggests, and the book, of course, is, again, a guide to rational living, he suggests, and we now know this is true, that our feelings about ourselves do not come from how we were raised. They don't come from events in our lives. They don't come from what we've done. They don't even come from what we're doing. Do you know where they come from, Tom? They come from our beliefs about how we were raised and our beliefs about what we've done and our beliefs about events in our lives. Let me let me illustrate. Let's imagine, Tom, that you and I have known each other for years. Our kids have played together. And one day I show up at your house with a shovel on a Saturday morning. I say, hi, Tom. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good to see you. And then I say, Tom, I'm going to dig a hole in your backyard. And you say, okay, weird, but all right. So I go to your backyard. I start digging the hole. And you're watching me dig the hole, and beliefs begin to develop in your mind. Well, let's see. We've been friends for years. Our kids have played together. Steve knows it's my birthday today. He also knows I love trees. Oh, that's what he's doing. That's why he's digging a hole. He's digging a hole to plant a tree in my backyard for my birthday. Oh, Steve, I love you. You're so sweet. Get Mary over here. We'll have pizza tonight and the cake, and we'll watch a movie, okay? So that's one scenario. Another scenario is that we hate each other, hate each other, have for years. And I finally show up at your front door on a Saturday morning with a shovel. I say, hi, Tom. Hi, Steve. I'm going to dig a hole in your backyard. And you're watching me dig the hole. And this time your beliefs are completely different. This time your beliefs, I'm, burying, I'm digging the hole to bury you in it. Now watch this. It's the same Tom, the same Steve, the same Saturday morning, the same shovel, the same backyard, the same hole, completely different beliefs, completely different feelings. Now, that sounds kind of intellectual and kind of interesting, but how do you apply that to your life? So let me give you just one application. And we're going to look at the work of Dr. E.P. Seligman, who wrote Learned Optimism. And he has a wonderful website on positive psychology that you can Google if you want to. Dr. Seligman uh, has been studying positive psychology and, and dealing with negative and positive things for 53 years. He discovered that Uh, when optimists deal with really hard facing really, really, really hard things, they do basically three things. Number one, they isolate it. So let me give you an illustration years and years and years ago. Mary discovered she had cancer. She called me on the phone. She couldn't talk. And that's really funny because Mary, not funny, but that's unlike Mary. When Mary gets near a phone, she talks. I picked up the phone and she was. She just couldn't talk. So I had to ask, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And she said, "I've got cancer." So it would. It was a, a mastectomy and and all the other things that deal with cancer. And so when we finally settled down and and planned the next six months of our life, we said to ourselves, "Okay, here's the cancer. It means mastectomy. It means corrective surgery. It means." Uh, radiation, it could mean chemotherapy, it could mean being sick all the time, it could mean losing your hair, but, 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 it's not the only thing in our life. We're going to isolate this cancer, and we are not going to let it be an umbrella over the rest of our lives. Was that a one-time decision? Of course it wasn't. We had to decide that many, many times during the six months that she went through her her therapy and, and what they did to her, okay? So the first thing that optimists do is they, opt, they, they, they isolate it. They say, okay, this is very, very true, but it's not the only thing. We have other things in our life that are wonderful, like we live in Sonoma County, like we've been married for 40 years, like we have daughters who are married to men who love them even more than we do. So we said we are not going to let this cancer color everything else. Now that goes back to beliefs. Our feelings come from our beliefs not the other way around and we said we are not going to let this cancer take over our life that's a belief and over time it wasn't instantaneous feelings are not that way feelings do crazy our feelings agreed with what we were believing
1: remind people they just tuned in i'm tom Laurie, and you're listening to the mentors radio show uh we're talking today with steve campbell about self-image, self-talk, optimism, feelings, and beliefs. Continue, I have a great story.
2: Okay, thank you. So the second thing that optimists do when dealing with really, 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 really hard things is they temporalize, which means they say, life changes all the time. What is true today may very well not be true tomorrow. And life is not a constant. I mean, life changes all the time. So, someday, we are just going to believe that Mary' is going to be cancer free when we have no idea. How do you know we don't know do you know for sure? Of course we don't nothing is known for sure but that's what we're locking on to that's what we're deciding to believe that's what we choose to believe why that's why this called this all this cognitive psychology. It's what we choose to believe, and our feelings follow. So we chose to believe that someday, a month, uh, two, so a few months from now, a year from now, Mary will be cancer free. And by the way, she was. The third thing that optimists do is they say, and I think this is the most exciting discovery of psychology since it began back in 1879. Optimists believe that they can change what they are thinking. Now, that seems pretty optimistic and, I'm sorry, pretty simplistic and obvious. It wasn't. Up to the 60s, psychologists didn't believe that. Believe, no, 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 the way you are today is because of the way you were raised, your childhood, unresolved childhood conflicts, cause and effect, that was behaviorism, uh, your environment, your genes. And what we're discovering now is, no, we can change what we're thinking and so what we said when Mary first got her cancer, she was, she was just overwhelmed and she said, it's my fault. I shouldn't have gained this weight. I shouldn't have done this. I should have got better. I should have exercised better. And it took her a long time to realize that stuff happens. Stuff happens to in life. Tragic things happen. There's a better word for it, which I'm not going to use, but you know what the word is. <laughs> And so eventually, after a few days, Mary said to me, it's not my fault, is it? I said, no, honey, it's not. Stuff happens. And a year later, she was cancer-free. And a year after that, and a year after that, and then in year four, she called me. And she said, Steve, but this time it was different. She could talk on the phone. She said, hi, hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I just walked out of the doctor's office. They found something. How are you doing? She said, I'm doing okay. I made it through last time. I can make it through this time. What changed, Tom? Not the cancer. It was her belief about the cancer, the change, and her feelings followed. 2018, said 17, was an amazing year for me. It is that year I discovered I had cancer, cataracts, and diabetes all at the same time. The, the, the diabetes, I had to completely change my diet. and I've lost, you know, 30 pounds. The, the cataracts, they had to replace my lenses with correct lenses. I don't need glasses anymore. And the, the cancer, they took a, a patch off the top of my skull, gave me a Band-Aid, and I'm cancer-free. Here's the point. My feelings didn't come from the cancer or the cataracts. They came from my beliefs about the cancer and the cataracts. So here's the message I'd like to tell the people. The feelings that you have about yourself are not coming willy-nilly. They're not coming from how you were raised. They're not coming from the mistakes you made. They're coming from your beliefs about how you were raised and your beliefs about the mistakes that you made. And you can change those beliefs and the feelings follow there's another principle here there's actually we're gonna have
1: to we're gonna gonna have to go to break first and we're gonna come back because i want to explore this some more with you uh this is tom laurie our guest is steve campbell we're talking about the power of your thoughts and tips for managing your inner dialogue to boost success and well-being
5: Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org That's SamaritanMinistries.org
4: Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz The Catholic Business Journal generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz CatholicBusinessJournal.biz
3: There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosier, a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence, and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to BullyofAsia.com. That's BullyofAsia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. BullyofAsia.com.
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking
1: about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, your host for today. We're talking with Steve Campbell and how self-talk can serve you well. But first, a couple of quick reminders. We love your feedback and questions. Leave us a question anytime, 24-7 at 844-610-8255. That number again is 844-610-TALK, 844-610-TALK. Like us on Facebook at The Mentors Radio and you can find all of our shows and show notes with links and giveaways at the TheMentorsRadio.com. That's the TheMentorsRadio.com. Now back to Steve, our guest, and you are going through uh, several points with regards to our beliefs and changing our feelings.
2: Yes. There's really 15 in my book, but the most important one is one I've already given you, The Brain Believes what You Tell It. The second most important important point in terms of, of beliefs is the fact that our brain locks onto what we deem as important. So when I was a little boy, my dad taught me how to ride a bicycle. And he took me out to this road, took the train and off. He said, now, see, before I give you a little shove, and don't worry, I'll run next to you. You see that rock in the road about 50 feet? Yes, Daddy, I do. Don't run into that rock. And you already <laughs> know what happened. I locked yeah. my eyes onto that rock so I would not run into it, and bam, that's what I ran into. Incidentally, Tom, that's the reason that worrying is simply nothing but negative goal setting. And so the brain locks onto whatever we deem as important. So let me give you another story that illustrates this whole point. I ended up teaching math at the University of San Francisco, and a student came to my office after the first day of class at them, and she said, "Miss Campbell, I'm really glad you're my math, my math professor because I'm a C student in math. I said, well, how do you know, Sue? She said, because I've never gotten above a C in a math student class, for so you I'm a a C student. So I sat down with her, and I worked with her, and she got an A in the first midterm. And I gave her the test, and she absolutely freaked out, Tom. She said, oh, Mr. Campbell... This is a mistake. I said, what do you mean? She said, I've never gotten above a, a math test. She must have made a mistake. And I said, I didn't. So this is a genuine A. So then she looked at it longer, and a big smile came over her face. And she said, oh, do you know what this means? And I said, oh, yes, I do. But you tell me, Mr. Campbell, this means that when I flunk the next test, I can still maintain my C." I said, Sue, just get an A in every test. She said, oh, I can't. Why? Because I'm a C student. And that's exactly what happened. She flunked the next test. She got a C in the course. So I sat down with her. I said, Sue, answer me this. What would have happened if you had flunked this first test? Do you know what she said? She said, Easy. I would have started like crazy get an A in the next test. I said, Sue, just get an A in every test. She said, I can't. Why? Because I'm a C student. And people say to themselves all the time, this is the way I am. This is how I was raised. This is what I've done. These are the mistakes that I've made. And we get ourselves stuck on those things because that's what we decided to do. But we can also think differently. So let me give you an application um, to your to your listeners because this really can help them. It's what I call throwing away the list. What do you do when you really mess up, when you really mess up? What we do is we say to ourselves, oh, my gosh, how could I have been so stupid? When you ask that question, the brain immediately says, oh, I know. Remember that dumb thing you did yesterday, that dumb thing you did a week ago, a month ago? And the problem is when we do that, The brain doesn't know, and we get out this list, I'm sorry, we got this list, all the dumb things we've ever done. We go down the list, see, there it is, and here's the problem. When you do that, and we all do that, the brain doesn't know that those memories happened a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. The brain's recording those memories again, but this time, if they happen when? Right now. And then we're carrying that stuff around. And here's the message I want to give you listeners, you don't have to do that anymore starting when right now great steve what do you do instead what you do instead is use three wonderful words Before, first of all you throw away the list okay learn from your mistakes but you don't need the list number two use three wonderful words and the words are the next time the next time i'll do it this way when you say the next time you're saying three things number one you're saying there is a next time We have as many next times as we want. Number two, when you say the next time, you're saying, I'll never give up, ever. Here's the best for last. Number three, when you say the next time, what you're really saying is, you know what, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, which means I'm still making mistakes. But just because I fail doesn't mean I'm a failure. Thomas says, I was asked how I felt to fail 999 times looking for the film with a light bulb. He said, I did not fail 999 times. I simply found 999 ways that didn't work. And that's what we're learning. I was on my way to work one morning, I was waiting for light to change. And a kid came up in a very, very fancy car, the light changed, he went peeling out in front of me, roaring up the freeway passing everyone as I watched him, I had this epiphany. How many cars are already in front of him? Millions. How many cars are behind him? Millions. So maybe it's not a matter of how fast you get there. Maybe it's a matter of you're going in the right direction. But you know what, Tom? even when we're going in the right direction, sometimes we just run out of gas. Sometimes you get a flat tire. Sometimes we even lose our way. But you know what? You can buy some more gas. You can replace the tire. You can get a map. And what's the one with the brain that says, oh, okay. Was it true? Don't care. All I care about is what you tell me. I believe it. You lock on to it. You know what I'll do? I'll do everything I can to make it true in your life.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, we're going to cut to a break. This is Tom Laurie with with Steve Campbell, and we're talking about self-image, self-talk, optimism, feelings, beliefs, and
6: wow. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why.
5: Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org.
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: This is Tom Laurie. Welcome back. We're talking with Steve Campbell. Have you ever thought about what enslaves you to your self-talk and you're seeking freedom? Uh, That's our subject today. Uh, I'd like to start this segment, Steve, with uh, goal setting and setting goals. You you had mentioned something earlier about, uh, about riding a bike and the goal is not to Run into the tree, or what it were, what it was that you mentioned, and uh, of course, yeah. once we do that, we run into the tree. So maybe we yeah, can talk we a little did. bit about goal setting. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting, Tom. Many of our goals are never met, and people ask me, "Why do I not? Why can I not meet my goals?" And here's a really interesting observation: most of our goals are set in the future. So let me give you an illustration, and then we'll apply this. My father died when he was very young, and Mary said to me as we were driving away from the memorial service, if you die early, I'll kill you. Because <laughs> I've only been with her for 40 years. And I was about 240 pounds, and I weigh about 200 pounds now. So it's, uh, okay, I, need, I need to lose weight, I need to lose 40 pounds. So I would get up and run and swim, and I'd do all these things, and I would lose maybe two or three pounds a week. But then I would get all back on the weekend. I did that for 25 years. Here's the reason I couldn't lose the weight, Tom. I look in the mirror and I give myself a pep talk. I'd say, you are a 240 pound man who's gotta lose 40 pounds. Well, what have we learned today? When I said I am a 240 pound man, what did my brain say? Okay, but then it made sure that I stayed at 240 pounds because my brain will not let me be unlike myself. We'll talk about that in the next session when we talk about values and self images, okay? Our brain will not let us be unlike ourselves. I saw myself at 240 pounds, and my brain made sure that I kept that way. Well, after 25 years, as I said, this really is bad. I'm really tired of this. So I began studying. I began studying goal setting and psychology and all these other things. I realized that I was giving myself the wrong message. So I gave myself what is called an affirmation. An affirmation, nothing magical, it's not something weird, it's simply a statement. It's a statement when written correctly, triggers a picture in your mind of a goal that has already been accomplished. So I wrote an affirmation that said something like, I look so great at 200 pounds because of the way I eat and exercise. When I first said this, my brain freaked out. My brain said, wait a minute, wait a minute, reality check here. Look at the scale, look at the mirror. You don't weigh 200 pounds, you weigh 240. And I said to myself and to my brain, no, I weigh 200 and I look great. Well, there's a principle that is very true of the brain that is called quantum, I'm sorry, that is called gestalt psychology. And that is the brain hates gaps, hates them. There is a gap between what I was saying and what I was I was saying 200 pounds and I was 240, so the brain hates gaps, it wants to close any gap that I create. So the first thing it tried to do is give up, it said, no, 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 you'll never lose this weight, you've been trying to lose this weight for 25 years, it's not going to work. And I said, no, I'm locking on to this. And every single time I sit down for a meal, I'm eating like a 200 pound person. Now here's what's so exciting. The more I did that, the easier it became. Because what the brain does is it rewires itself. This is called neuroplasticity. This is work of Dr. Eric Kendell. What the brain does is when you lock on to new thoughts and new beliefs and they become primary in your mind, the brain rewires itself so that those new thoughts and beliefs become your mindset. And what happened was, the more I locked on to being 200 pounds, even though I was 240 in the beginning, the more I ate like a 200 pound person, and the more I lost the weight. So eventually I reached my 200 pounds. Now this is something that's really, 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 really important, and now we wanna get into the whole subject of self-images.
1: And before we do that, this is, let me just cut in here for a second. Tom Laurie. you're listening to The Metro's Radio. For more information on today's show and past shows, you can go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. Today we're talking with Stephen Campbell and how we can use the power of self-talk, the right way to get amazing results. Okay, Stephen, let's continue with that uh, thought, that discussion.
2: Okay, okay so um, locking up, so there is. there was still, okay, let's go into self-images and then we'll come back to Losing the because We need to understand that first. I was a first-year baby boomer, so I was born in 47 when my dad came home from the war, okay? If I was taught you have a self-image, that's only partially true, Tom. It turns out we now know that we have thousands of self-images. You have a self-image for every single thing that you can do. You have a self-image for how you see yourself as a radio host, as a husband, as a father, as a dancer, as a cook. You have a self-image for everything, every ability, every aptitude, everything. Those self-images are learned. You were not born with them. You were born with certain natural skills. I was born a natural teacher. But I became a teacher because I taught and I learned how to talk. And I kept saying, I am a teacher. So our self-images are learned. You were not born with them. And you know where they come from? They come from our self-talk. They come from what we are saying to ourselves about ourselves. So let's take that and go back to losing the weight. So I began losing this weight until eventually I reached 200 pounds. Now, there is still a self-image in my brain of a 240-pound person. It's in there somewhere. It's locked in because I've never had a lobotomy. It's hardwired, so I can't get rid of it. However, I replaced it with the self-image of a 200-pound person and the more I acted and saw myself as a 200-pound person, the easier it got. Now, a new self-image that I've created for myself is being 180. So now I'm working on that. Okay? But what's so exciting is, although those self-images are not deleted and not destroyed, it depends upon what I lock onto. I lock on to the 200-pound person per person, and I eat like that, I exercise that, like that, and I become like that. Wow.
1: Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, we're going to come back and talk some more about this. We have one more break, the final okay. segment ahead of us. And uh, we're going to come back and this is Stephen Campbell and Tom Loring. We're talking about Uh, goal setting, blind spots, weight loss, what we value and how we can use our self-talk for a great
4: life. I had like memory foams, I had feather pillows and I'd always wake up with neck pain. After sleeping on my pillow I didn't wake up with the headaches, I was more aligned. I didn't realize the connection between the pillow and sleep. When I switched to my pillow I got a better night's sleep and I love it. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs, and it holds that support all night long to take the pressure off your shoulders and keep your neck aligned so you get the best night's sleep of your life. My Pillow is machine washable and dryable and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an amazing 10-year warranty. Plus, every MyPillow is made in the USA. I personally guarantee that my pillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special,
3: plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632 and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off, plus free shipping.
6: Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. used in catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses these textbooks are highly praised by all even award-winning secular university professors go to catholic textbook project.com to find out why
3: there's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected it's called bully of asia by stephen w mosher a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on china In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence, and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to bullyofasia.com. That's bullyofasia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. bullyofasia.com.
0: And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life
1: and business. I'm Tom Laurie, your host for today. There's a still small voice in each of us. Are you its master or is it your master? We're talking about that today with an expert in the field, Steve Campbell, who is the author of the book, Making Your Mind Magnificent. Steve, could you tell us uh, now, could we shift gears a little bit and talk about the role of things we value in all of this?
2: What we value is basically incredibly important because it lines up to the fact that the brain believes what we tell it. So I go back to the illustration of the rock and the road. The rock and the road illustrates what an affirmation is. An affirmation is simply what we decided to lock what we decide to lock on We lock on to being successful. We lock on to uh being all the things that we can be successful, our brain's job is to make us successful, to make ourselves successful. We lock ourselves, we lock onto um, having troubles, we lock onto the problems that we had, we lock onto the mistakes that we've made, the brain locks onto those things too. So the most important concept I can give to people is to be careful what you lock onto because that's going to basically determine how successful you are you lock onto your mistakes, and the brain's going to keep making those mistakes. Which gives me another illustration I like to always share with my audience, and that is a really wonderful way to lock onto. What you do well is when people compliment you. Here's what happens when people compliment us. When people compliment us, oftentimes we say, oh, not really. Oh, that was embarrassing. That's egotistical. I could have done better. Thank you very much. But no, 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 no. Well, here's the problem with that, Tom. When you say no, 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 those compliments fall to the floor, which is not only sad, but what a waste. So here's a new way of thinking when someone compliments you by locking on to what you've done successfully. When someone compliments you, you look at them and you smile and you say, thanks, I know. And people have real problems with that. So what I say to them is I say, okay, when someone does something really well, or more importantly, when you do something well yourself, you look onto it and you say, thanks, I know I'm really good at that. And the brain says, absolutely. But here's what's even more exciting. When you compliment yourself, your brain says to you not only good job, but it also says and you can even be better. It looks for ways for you to be a better teacher, a better parent, a better father, a better boss, a better director, a better whatever thing. So what I tell people is when you do something well, compliment yourself and say good job and then wallowing your success like a pig in slob
1: yeah people do you think some of that, that has anymore. to do with uh do, do you think some of that has to do with people this whole idea of false humility and humility yeah and trying yeah. to be modest yeah. and it's very harmful yeah. isn't it
2: it can be very harmful people say to me well Stephen, is that egotistical and i said well if I said to you, I am the best speaker you've ever heard, that would be egotistical. And I would never say that. But what I do say is, I am a really good speaker. I'm a really good teacher. I'm not a good athlete. I'm not a good artist. But you know what? That's all, that's all right with me because those are things are not important to me. But I am a really good speaker. It has nothing to do with being egotistical. It's just a fact. There's other areas in my life and asked my wife that I'm not really good at, but that's all right. But in, in the <laughs> area wife. of teaching or speaking, I'm really good. And the brain says, yes, you are. And it makes me better.
1: Well, we're going to, uh, we're just about out of time. I've got a quick question for you here. Uh, you've been around, you've given a lot of talks. Those people who you have found to be most at peace with life and content with life and happy, mm-hmm. what, would be the one or two attributes that stick out for you?
2: Well, you know what? The, your, the original title of my book was making your mind your mentor. It's now called making your mind magnificent, but I like my title better. A mentor is someone who sees more in you than you see in yourself. And the people that I have met who have become successful and more importantly are, are at peace are the people who their brain and themselves are their best friends when they make a mistake, they learn from it and they laugh at it. They have such a good time with each other. Their brain has become their own mentor. They're not afraid to make mistakes and they're also not afraid to say good job me, good job me. And the brain says, okay, is it true? Don't care. All I care is what you tell me. Wow.
1: Well, so we are it's hard to believe, but we've run out of time, and this is a subject that really fascinates me. Thank you very much, Steve, for joining us and sharing your insights on how we can build confidence, improve our self-image, and have a much happier life. Your book, again, is Making Your Mind Magnificent. You can purchase it by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. You've been listening to The Mentors Radio Show. I'm Tom Laurie. If you like what you've heard and if you want to share it with your friends or if you've tuned in late, you can hear the whole show, get show notes, links, and more on our website at thementorsradio.com. That's thementorsradio.com. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at the Radio at the Mentors Radio, and we will look for you there. Join us next weekend at this time for the next edition of the Mentors. Until then, on behalf of Rick Brutico and myself, Tom Laurie, be all that you can be, and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness.
0: It's been the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.